Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. All right, so welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 185. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching this week. Uh, 185 weeks of the of your questions coming in and this one will be um i think we haven't done one like this for some time now uh focusing specifically on hiring and managing your team so if you have any questions on that do jump in uh, and ask them i want to shout out everyone who's watching uh on the replay so hashtag team replay you can pop that in the comments if you're listening later on or of course hashtag team live if you're watching live with me right now pop in the comments where you're watching from uh and also uh if you're hashtag team live um it's quite a few questions so when i ask this one it's been it's been so many come through to be honest uh, we will not be doing probably half of the questions uh, for two reasons. Firstly, there's not the time. Uh, and secondly, uh, I've been quite ill the last few days, so I don't know how long my um, my voice will hold out uh, because I've certainly been um, coughing and spluttering half the time as well. So do bear with me. I hope I'm, hopefully I will. Um, I've got the legs for it. Uh, but I, the last couple of days I've been feeling like death warmed up. And I think Saturday I was a bit of a mess. So um, I'm OK but uh, a lot of coughing and uh, the last thing you want a lot you lot want to do is hear that. Um, anyway, so I hope you're having a great start to your week, whatever you're up to. Couple of notices. Um, firstly, in a couple of question time, I will be sharing the winner of the incentive, uh, probably about once a month uh, on uh, the Entrepreneur Business Group uh, on Facebook, which you haven't joined yet, you must, if you just search Entrepreneur Business Group, uh, we have closed, closing now on 4,500 members. Um, there is an incentive each week. And this, this week's one was, um, I think it was, what's the cleverest business hack? Best comment will get um, $50 PayPal to them. Uh, so I picked a winner. There, there was something like 90 different submissions for this one, literally in, in, in uh, 48 hours. I'm very impressed. Um, so we'll get into that. But also, Entrepreneur Business Live is absolutely storming right now. There's so many things happening with it. So I'll give you a couple of notices on that whilst people are joining in. Uh, first up, with Entrepreneur Business Live Atlanta, 27th of February, which makes it, well, 17 days. So two, week, two and a half weeks to go. People are buying tickets or grabbing tickets already. All Entrepreneur Business Live events are free now. Uh, and uh, it is obviously donating to charity if you choose to donate money. So Heather Parody is running that over in Atlanta. Uh, you can find out more information on therichardmore.com or go to Entrepreneur Business Live over on LinkedIn. Uh, in addition, I've just released today the news that we have the panel and date for Entrepreneur Business Live London. And we're going to have two locations this year at least for London. So this is London City and we're going to have London Victoria, which is a little bit further south. So London City um, is on the 4th of March. I will be there. Also, Jack Gaysford, uh, amazing guy from V21, uh, video uh, content guru on LinkedIn. Uh, and also Chris Hatfield, who is the uh, who runs uh, Not Another Sales podcast. Uh, so the focus is on improving sales in your business. That will be uh, the event. And again, a completely free event, driving money in, or, or rather donating money into drive, drive Forward Foundations. So I'm really pleased to be working with them. Uh, the Victoria event will be in April. Uh, I've been having talks recently about um, uh, Sydney, 
um, Alberta, that will probably be soon, New York in June as well, so many coming up, Miami of course, we've just started the teasers for mid-April on the 16th, so if you're able to make that, I'll be in the Miami one too, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. So the notice is out of the way, the big news is Atlanta's two and a half weeks time, and then uh, three and a half weeks time we have uh, the following week will be um, Entrepreneur Business Live London. So I'm excited to be back. I don't think we'll be doing so many. I think the UK, um, it's nice doing London events, but because there's so many others as well, I'll probably be doing one a quarter with London. Uh, although there is an appetite, it's just the case of, you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, so thank you very much, everyone who is um, joining in here. Like I say, if you're watching now live, put hashtag Team Live and your location. We're taking questions today your questions on hiring and team management. So I became a manager um, in 2004. Uh, my first job was selling. Um, I was cold calling and selling internet marketing over the phone uh, all around the world. And um, then I managed a small sales team and grew from there. And I um, obviously experienced uh, different types of management and running teams all the way up to sales director level. Uh, in addition to that, I worked as a headhunter and I was running a team doing that. So I've worked both sides of the table as a hirer and someone working in recruitment. Uh, and now, of course, I, because I've been consulting for uh, like eight years or so, I focus a lot on helping leaders with managing their teams, but also on, on hiring strategy as well. So plenty uh, of interesting experiences I can, I can share. Just before I jump into the first question, uh, I want to shout out a couple of people watching. So Ian Tiska and Denise Allison uh, on Facebook, nice to see you here. Uh, over on Instagram, uh, Pratik Jane Triple O Seven, Daphne Twatoin, um, and Take It Easy is here as well. Nice to see you, my man. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, over on LinkedIn, good to see you all piling in. Uh, Alpurna Ganguli is here. Uh, I don't know where you're from, uh, but pop in your uh, location if you wish. Uh, Emily Ann Valelia from uh, Team Live from Tampa. Roger Wakefield, my man, is watching. Uh, King of Live, uh, watching from Dallas in Texas. Uh, excellent to see you here as well. And Brian Direck, who is host of Entrepreneur Business Live Miami, tuning in as well. Nice to see you here. So questions on hiring and also on managing a team. These are broad themes this week. So we'll probably be doing more of this topic, I think. Um, firstly, before I jump into the questions, if you have, because I just want to have ideas from you, if you have any submissions, any ideas for topics, what do you think we should do each week? You know, it's been 185 consecutive weeks of uh, questions. Um, what topics should we cover? So pop it in. You never know. There might be something new. We tend to duplicate things o over time, but there's nothing wrong with revisiting. Uh, but if you have a... Um, uh, any particular topic you'd like to us to focus on, then do pop it in here. Uh, and let's get on to the first question. So <clears throat> Denise Allison, who's watching, in fact, over on, uh, uh, on Facebook, what steps or processes should you cover with a new team member? What to include, what not, and how do you not overwhelm them, but give them what they need? I've seen teams really get this wrong. Um, when what happens is a manager's trying to completely get all of the information into this new person to get them up to speed up to speed as quickly as possible. And actually what's interesting is those that decide to take a step back and consider what is needed in order to function and do their job, um, they're the ones who actually tend to win, Denise. Um, so a great example, if you look at selling, uh, so a sales team, when you're being a salesperson in, they have to have a broad understanding of the product and an understanding of the process to sell it. 
There's so much more depth about the industry and so on that they could learn, but I'm gonna learn for some time, so it's kind of unwise to fill them with that information. And I've seen teams that get it wrong, and they've got, they've got sales um, people who haven't sold a bean in you know four or five months, but they know all about the product. And the new starters, they wanna, they wanna enjoy the feeling of success and progress. And if you're making them stick their nose in books, unless it's a particular role where technical knowledge is the job, then it makes sense to focus on just the things they need in order to get some sense of progress. With a salesperson, as an example, they need to taste blood as soon as possible. So it's the minimal stuff, in fact, to get the ball rolling. Then the manager should be guiding them and showing them how to get a deal so that they can sense what it's actually like. You're never going to educate every every little nuance of their role and of the product and of the industry. That takes forever. So there's too much um, kind of filling in from the back with information, and that slows down someone's ability to deliver a job. So I do find that drip feeding over time. You know, you know I and mean, it's look, it's true that in any job there's a raft of information that's required. But without question, it makes sense to go right. What do you need right now? To, to do the first element of the job. Just focus on that. And it's tempting to give them loads more, but actually that's typically enough. And once they got that, then you bolt a bit more onto it. So the question to ask yourself as a, as a manager is, what's the hub or like the main, what's the, what's the core that I'm building from? And once they have a sense of that, you can then bolt knowledge on as you go. But it's stunning how little someone needs to get by so they can start being practical. And you can silo them and provide them with a focus on one element of their job to get that ball rolling. Otherwise, what you end up with is someone who's learning, and learning on the job's fine, all that kind of thing, but learning so much to the point where they're actually not doing anything. And being, being able to put things into practice as they go is a far better way of doing it. So I suppose what I'm advocating here is longer uh, longer runway of learning across time and more time spent on the pitch actually doing some things practically rather than the shorter space of time focusing on learning everything meanwhile nothing's getting really done people learn so much better when they're on the pitch and that's really really important I found, find uh, and, and again otherwise you overwhelming overwhelm them and you know a lot of people a lot of good hires have the capacity to learn very quickly and to learn a large volume of stuff but still overwhelming is an issue because you end up with someone who essentially is focused on learning stuff as opposed to doing stuff. Obviously there are exceptions here but this is an important consideration. I'm going to rattle through questions today by the way because there, there's so many of them. Uh, so drip feed as you go is my opinion uh, Denise. Uh, thumbs up if that makes sense I hope. Jedi Hill who is watching I think you asked a question actually. Richard Moore for businesses starting out where do you find your best affordable virtual assistants and copywriters Always be careful. Are you looking for affordable or are you looking for good? They don't always, you don't always find them the same. Okay, so you can, this is interesting this and it reminds me of a lot of spam I get. So I'm not calling you out here Jedi, it's just that you think on this. I get a lot of spam as you, we all do in my junk folder saying we are the cheapest or we are the most affordable SEO service for your website because they see my website, they scrape it for an email address and email me this nonsense. And um, 
And it's like, the last thing I want is the cheapest SEO. I want the best SEO. No one, I wouldn't even look at it anyway, but no one has yet, and this isn't, this isn't an excuse to do it, but no one has yet sent me a message saying, um, we have the most effective SEO, or we are the best in class SEO. You know, no one's posturing as expensive, elite, or prestigious. They're all posturing as cheap, presuming that that is the only thing I'm after, which is absurd. Um, because I only want cheap if it's a particular type of thing that I want cheap, where I don't care about it. If it's something I really care about, I'm going to want good, right? Or at least good or great. So ask yourself, are you looking for cheap or affordable? Or are you looking for good? So that makes a difference. Still, being perhaps a little less flippant, a good answer is, you know, obviously you can go to places like Upwork or Fiverr, but it depends, right? And there's a lot of other places you can find VAs. A good thing to do is ask. Get your, if your network, this is one of the reasons why I do a lot of things online, because you end up with a strong network and you can ask, you can say, you know, I'm looking for a good VA, who, who audience would you recommend? And then people often tag someone interesting. I've worked with a VA before here in the UK and um, she's been fantastic. And I'm 99% sure that that came from me asking and someone suggested her. And this is a great VA, but you know, she really got it. She's done a couple of jobs for me um, at Christmas. She remembered that I'd worked with her, sent me a box of chocolates. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling good about this one. So, you know, not that chocolates are everything. You want to look out for ones that are, are going to give you a little bit better uh, service than just cheap. One thing to think about is that copywriters, <coughs> excuse me, copywriters and um, VAs might be those that are in a role as a copywriter or a VA on, say, Upwork or whatever, but it might just be that someone in your network can do that job really well and aren't necessarily advertising that. So for example, someone who writes really good copy but isn't necessarily a copywriter uh, might be worth tapping up for this. Certainly for me, I've hired some really great salespeople from my team in the past who weren't salespeople. And a, I would say the best place to go is, for, is to people who are your customers and or who are really bought into you and your story. So Jedi, the, the question to you is, you know, can you think about your following? Who, who's following you right now? Who's really into your stuff? If you posted something about your business, who are the top three or five people that would naturally jump in, react, write something, and, and be generally engrossed by you and, and really are into your story? Because those people tend to be really bought in and because they're so they're leaning in so much to what you do, they tend to be really excited about, about what you have to offer. So with this in mind, like one of the best salespeople I've ever had, had zero sales experience, but he bought my product, he loved what I did, and he was all over it. He just cared that much more. So think along those lines, sometimes that can work. Jedi, you've written in here in, in Facebook, find quality without price going insane. For instance, copywriters can go to 100K plus. Of course they can. If they've got a, you know, if you find David Ogilvy equivalent, then you're going to have a, an expensive copywriter and you charge based on how good you are, which in turn is based on the proof you've got based on in turn the, the kind of clients you've had. Um, and so I get that. But um, my point is some people, you, you tend to get out what you put in. Uh, so if you put in a $10 an hour 
for a copywriter, you're going to get $10 worth of quality uh, in the main. Um, that might be someone who technically can just write English, but doesn't actually got much technique or just uses a template. So it's not necessarily that bespoke. Um, but I do feel that with aside from, say, Upwork and, and Fiverr and those obvious places, think about your network itself. Think about people who really love what you do. Also, if you have a team or employees, you know, this is the kind of thing you could give to them who have in their spare time this kind of thing as a hobby, perhaps. Uh, that might be worth thinking about as well. Uh, a great example being graphic design. There's always someone in a company who's like really good at that kind of thing. And often it's good to kind of nudge that over to them. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's just something to kind of bear in mind as well. Good question, though. Let's hop over to LinkedIn, see if there's anyone, anyone jumping in here. Good morning from Canada, says Heather P. Uh, Carolina Mankowski, hello from Florida. Uh, Kenwea, Basil, Safer, greeting Sir Bermeda, Cameroon, cool, having you here from Cameroon. Uh, Gabrielle Lille, good morning, Sir Dallas, Texas as well. Uh, and you're asking me, Gabrielle, what knowledge is drawn from employers who have potential hires take pre-employment tests like Wonderlix or Rohrharch test? To be honest, I'm not entirely familiar with these tests. Um, I was much more an organic hirer rather than the test and the theories because they really can give you good science but also get in the way of that gut reaction that with, with experience is worth so much. What knowledge is drawn from them who use the, who have potential hires uh, uh, taking pre-employment tests? Let's just look at pre-employment pre tests in the first place. Tests are dangerous. Tests are dangerous, the ones that are in the moment. Um, I flunked my A-levels because I was crap at doing tests, overthinking, really nervous, eyes off the ball, wanting to throw up, three hours of one test to define how I, um, uh, to, to define two years of, of um, a subject when I was doing my A-levels, for example. Utterly terrible idea for those who can't pass tests. Was I unintelligent? Of course not. But the truth is I wasn't built at the time for doing tests. I wasn't down with the pressure. So tests can be gamed. It's very easy to give the, uh, to, to if you've got an, any analysis at all, I, I've done these kind of pre-employment pre tests kind of thing, and I've, I've totally known how to game them. It's obvious the kind of answers you should give. And that's that dangerous in that respect. You need to get people being practical. And the best test is doing the job. The best test is doing the job. And it's a case of, you know, get them on the ground, doing it, trying it out, for example. Put them in a position where they, rather than a 20-minute interview, I think that it should be interfacing with people, seeing how they get on. Give them some kind of task to see if they're, they're the real deal. People can muddle the way through it. They don't have to pass it with flying colours. You need to have, have some sense of, do you know what? I, I could teach this person. If anyone's aware of these tests, do put in your two cents in the comments. But that's my view, is that if it's a very tight moment when someone gets has to prove themselves, uh, well, you know, well done to those who can pass the, the exam or the interview or the test really quickly. But the truth is, it's a dangerous way to test on someone who's going to be spending hours and hours and hours, most of their hours of each day working for you. So with that in mind, probation matters. An assessment centre matters. It shouldn't be a, a quick interview. Um, it should be a little bit more uh, robust than that. And 
if you're taking um, hiring seriously, in my opinion, you should be putting people through their paces uh, and with a multitude of, of different um, uh, things to test them on, in my opinion. That makes a big difference. Um, some of the assessment centres I've run have been like a whole day of loads of tasks to sweat test people and see how they can perform because I want winners. I don't want someone who can sit for half an hour and perform because then it, it just I've done so much hiring in the past that you've ended up with people who do great in the interview. It's like, what is this idiot after a week uh, in the jobs? You have to have a bit more depth in them, in my opinion. Um, and like I say, if you're serious about hiring, don't try and just be efficient and quick with your with your um, hiring. You should take your time over it. You know, the higher, slow, fire, fast uh, uh, cliches are really, really important. OK, that's my opinion on it. So really interesting what you lot have to say uh, as well on, on this topic. Um, next one up is uh, Emily. Uh, so Emily Ann Valilia. My question is, where does one even begin? Well, let's look at this. You should think about how you want to manage. I've made a mistake in the past by managing a team the way my previous manager had managed me and presuming that that is how you manage. No, that's how he managed for himself his team that he'd chosen for himself. What I need to do is think about how I wanted to manage uh, based on what my values were. What kind of vibe do you want? And also look at things outcome based. What is it I'm actually after from the team? Do I need this many sales per week? Do I, this, do I need this kind of output per week? Whatever it is I need, these performance indicators, I need to map back from that. Therefore, what training or development or investment do I need in these people? And but thinking as well, like what kind of environment do I want to work around? There's a lot of people say, you know, you should be like the slave manager and the kind of person who just listens and cares nonstop and is always there for your team. Sure. But there's nothing wrong when it works, to be fair, for some managers who, are, and I've seen it, who are like the big boss uh, manager with the arrogance and the swagger and they're like the mafia leader. And in fact, they do it and it works because they hire the kind of people who love that. And a lot of people say, well, that's wrong, you know, creating that kind of vibe, uh, it's toxic. But I disagree. There are some people out there who absolutely love that. Uh, it really, really matters. And to be honest, when I started selling at age 22, think about it. I was a 22 year old guy, no responsibilities, nothing to worry about. I was in the city and there was an opportunity to make a load of money. This is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be pushed hard. I wanted to really, really be part of that kind of culture. And um, right now I'm like, that's no way how I'd want to be managed. But at the time is exactly what I was after. But it matched the manager who was managing me and he hired people who would respond to that. And so you might want to create something of a clique and, and that, that, you know, that resonates with the values or the approach you have. And I found that, you know, in truth, you have a multitude of successful teams out there managing completely different ways because the right person or rather the manager is, is hiring the right people who fall in step with how they manage. It could be that you have a manager who's like no organization at all, really scatty and all over the place, but just really cares about their people. And the people pick up the slack in the organization space and they just love their manager because they're just so caring. I mean, you think like that's not very businessy or whatever, but the truth is what matters is your outcome. Do you get out of it what you need? And if you do, then fine. And 
There are some managers who are totally on the same level, really peer-to-peer -peer level with their employees. And then there are some who are right up the chain and they are positioning themselves, like I said, like positioning themselves almost mafia boss-like, like this untouchable god who sits in a the throne, they've got a the big office and that. And they want that because there's some, sometimes they hire people who have that kind of sense of they need that uh, father or mother figure who's going to lead them. And, and that can work as well. It can t depend on the environment and industry, but it tends to depend on the kind of person you've got. So you should really start with having a good look at yourself. What do you like? And therefore, what kind of environment would you like to have? And again, there's no wrong or right. There's what works for you. Um, and if you if you read biographies, as I do a lot, of, of businesses and how they've managed things, look at someone like Tony Shea from Zappos and um, how he's how he's really built how he built that sense of uh, employee culture over time. That mattered to him a huge amount. There are other companies that, that just doesn't matter in the slightest, and it's all in on customers, for example. Amazon potentially to a degree is an example of that, at least the 10 years ago or so. So there's just something to think about. It starts with you, sounds cliche, but it starts with you. What kind of person are you? And therefore, you should be hiring people along those lines, but also managing them in a way that feels natural for you. Of course, you can augment and improve and evolve the way you manage people, but it has to suit your style of personality in the first place. Otherwise, you're forcing something that's not natural. And the right people will gravitate to you and they'll really love how you, how you do it if you hire them right. And so you can be weird and quirky and that can be absolutely fine and indeed quite productive, but you just have to have the right people that will, that, that will resonate with, for instance. Uh, just want to shout out, before I do the incentive win, I just want to shout out a few people on, on Instagram. Great to see you here, uh, Emily Gold, uh, Gold, is, Gold is One, you've got uh, as your um, uh, Instagram uh, title here. Purple Flower Flake, quote Sangra07, Imagined Reality 23, uh, Akshen Quadrat, cool name, uh, and uh, Red 00711. Nice to see you all here. Thanks so much. Uh, Jedi Hill, any automation like CRM you use instead of hiring people? Sure. Uh, good question. I have used uh, CRMs like that. And of course, when I um, was in headhunting itself, we would have a big old list of people everywhere who are uh, who were interested people to us. Um, I, th I think that it's dangerous to use uh, external third-party ones wholly. I think it's fine to dip in to Indeed or Monster or whatever for those who are looking for jobs if you're trying to hire people. But my approach is always think about it like you're managing a team, right? You, you know, or say a sports team. You want the best people on your team. The best people tend to not be looking for a job. So if you go to a job site, I think this is what you're referring to with a CRM actually. If you go to a job site where everyone's got their CVs in, these are people who aren't happy looking for a job. Now there may be plenty of reasons why, they may be good people, but in truth, the very best people should be looked after, right? So some really great hires I've made have been ones where I've seen them on LinkedIn and thought that person's skill set looks really good and they're in a great company, I want them in my team. So I pitch them because you should be the best person to sell your role and your, your, your rather, you know, your team and it's, it's um, you know, it's benefits, right? <clears throat> so I lift the phone up, call them up and say, you know, no, I, I know you're at work at the moment. Um, there's this opportunity and I, I wanted to speak to you about it. You feel like a really good um, fit, you know, um, a couple of, couple of benefits and then you're like, would you be interested in learning a bit more? No obligation, let's just have a coffee. 
people are always interested in doing it that way and um because they feel they feel loved a bit because it's like wow someone's found me and it's stunning how many people are interested in hearing and you know what if the job's good enough fit plenty of people are like yeah do you know what this this is actually great i might i might check this out and then then they kind of move over so headhunting is about getting the best people on your team but then if you're trying to build one out where you rapidly need people on a team sometimes you have to work through the process of using these larger third-party sites instead. Very difficult ways of doing it. Uh, Ian Tisco, good to see you here. Uh, Sidney Jones, James Perry's watching as well. Jedi here at Hill, I appreciate all of the, the jumping in. Um, <clears throat> give us a thumbs up if you're liking the topic so far. Put in the comments, what other topics should we be doing in the future? What other topics should we be doing in the future? 185 episodes we've done so far, so what maybe would be an interesting topic to do next week for Startup Business Q&A. Now, let's get into the winner of the uh, PayPal incentive. So I'm giving away $50. It's not loads. It was just for a comment. So basically on Facebook, on the Entrepreneur Business Group, um, every, so what, every, you know, every day there is new posts and things like that. And every month or so, uh, I give away a book or like, um, money or something like that. So this one's, um, in this week's incentive two days ago was, um, $50 goes to the cleverest business hack. Okay. And there was like 90 of you submitted. So there's loads of you who jumped in and say, yeah, this is, this is my hack. Some interesting ones, some cliche ones some really unethical ones uh, but <coughs> i picked out one in particular so uh i'm going to read it first and you you'll know who it is uh if you if you're the one who wrote this um so uh this one is the very first thing my first coach made my 60 hour 60 plus hour week ass do so american uh was take strategic whole days away from my business to refill the creative tank lots of them the more i took the more creative and effective i became could not see how it would possibly work did it anyway it's the best hack i know that is mr bing oliver cool name as well so bing oliver well done uh uh you're gonna get 50 dollars paypal over to you uh if you're watching at all i'd love you to comment what you're gonna spend it on uh, some people donated it to charity. Some people are like, I'm just going to buy champagne. And some people are like, I'm buying a book or I'm investing myself or something. So it's up to you, whatever you want. <coughs> I will send it over to you a bit later on. <coughs> What's interesting about this one is that the, one of the reasons why it stood out for me is it goes against the grain of this um, slightly absurd at times culture of like work all the time because it looks cool if you work all the time. And look, hey, it's good that we've got this culture nowadays of working rather than being lazy, I get it. But um, working all the time to the point where you're doing it because you think it looks good is, no other word describes it other than stupid. You work hard if you have to and need to. Don't work hard because you think it looks cool to be busy. And I think there's a lot of value in what Bing's saying here because for almost any role, <clears throat> you need to have the ability to think laterally and, and like a bit more expansively. And I've certainly found that by building in time each week, I don't take whole days off each week necessarily, but time each week to just kind of zoom out a bit. Even each day, I have two set periods each day in the morning and afternoon of 10 minutes where everything gets switched off and I just sit with an alarm on the old, uh, on the old um, Alexa for 10 minutes, sit and let thoughts come in. If you don't take time out, you can't quite um, <coughs> allow any creative um, juices to flow as much as they might. And one thing I knew for sure, I learned for sure when I left corporate 
where I was doing sometimes like 80 hour weeks, like mad amounts of work sometimes, is that by giving myself a bit of space, I was surprised at how creative I could be, uh, but also how many other thoughts or lateral thinking I was able to produce. So it's a really good idea to do it. So well done you, uh, a great comment there. Uh, I appreciate it and, and $50 to you. Um, just want to announce more people are watching of course right now. So just want to announce um, 27th of February. So two and a half weeks. If you are in uh, Atlanta, we're doing Entrepreneur Business Live Atlanta with Heather Parody, Randall Blizzard, uh, Joel Pilgrim, my man Joel is there, and also the um, LinkedIn royalty, um, uh, Joy McAdams is going to be speaking as well. So you can grab a free ticket there. All donations are going to um, Love Funding as well, uh, a charity there. Uh, so if you aren't able to make it, you can watch the live stream entrepreneur in the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook. And uh, in London on, on the 4th of March, we've got Entrepreneur Business Live there. So I'll be speaking with Chris Hatfield from Not Another Sales Podcast and Jack Gaysford from V21. Uh, and we're donating money there to drive forward. Then April, we'll have another London event. We're also exciting, exciting uh, news. We're having our big Miami event. So I'll be over in Miami on the 16th. 180 people we plan to have with a panel of full-on LinkedIn royalty yet to be announced. So it's going to be announced next week on the 15th. You've got to keep your eyes peeled for that. But if you're in London or Atlanta, or if you know someone is, let them know. You can grab tickets from therichardmore.com. Next question, Brian Direct, who's hosting Miami. That's kind of good work. It works out well. I guess the question is how to direct a new team member from the beginning towards higher productivity with a higher set of goals, even as a non-partner employee. Okay, this is a big one, so let me just keep it light, light and simple. Without question, people like to be managed. One thing that's overlooked a lot, especially with those who are reasonably capable, is that, um, for want of a better phrase, a lot of managers give them too much respect, and there's, this, there's too much of a sense of, they look like they're doing well and they know what they're doing, so I'll kind of leave them to it. They like being managed, people like to be driven and pushed, um, and then have goals and things to work towards. Otherwise, routine breeds resentment or, or ultimately, and it's important to make sure you're, you're uh, doing a bit more than, than just you know, giving them a chair, a uh, desk, and a computer to work at each day. So um, without question, when they're new, it has to be super regular appraisals. And I'm, I'm talking like literally when someone joined my team, every day they'd have pre-agreed objectives. You might think, oh, that's micromanagement. Micromanagement's bad. No, it's not. It's not, man it's not bad at all. Micromanagement is bad when you overdo it with someone who knows what they're doing. Micromanagement is bloody marvellous when someone hasn't got a clue what they're doing and needs you to hold their hand. And you, what you do is ebb and flow. When, when you sense that someone has a, a clue about what they're doing, you let them run. When they don't, you reel them in a bit. And I think what's worked really well is day one, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what you need to do. Here are the outcomes you're after. Day two, here are your objectives again. It's simple stuff. End of week, here are your, here are your objectives you're going to be working on. <clears throat> like I say, it's pre-agreed, so you agree on doing it together. And you're checking in with them all, all the time. So they have a sense of direction, a sense of being looked after. Then you need to move, be moving to like monthly and, and uh, quarterly as well. But never should anyone not be appraised reasonably regularly. Um, oh, I sit next to them, we talk each day anyway, is not good enough. It's important to still have some sense of a, a 
formalized meat because then people really feel like they're being invested in. There's science to prove it. People feel looked after and it really matters. And I've seen people who have employees who've been <coughs> perhaps in a role for like seven, eight, nine years. And it's like, God, they're fine. They really enjoy themselves. And they do. They get on. They're self-starters. But what matters is giving them <coughs> excuse me, an outlet to say, hey, this is on my mind right now, and here's where I'd like to go. And they're only ever really thankful when they're offered, <coughs> excuse me, and they're, when they're offered um, a development or, like, or at least a discussion, you know, how could we develop you? How, what, what, are you, what have you got in mind? I think it's important to do that regularly. <coughs> and you'll find that um, they are very capable of coming up with ideas. But um, every single employee you work with will have a different set of things they want to achieve. So it has to be very bespoke what you're doing. And that takes time, but a good manager will spend that with them. Okay, so um, I could go into a bit more detail with you, Brian, if you want to DM me, I can talk about that. <coughs> you have to excuse me, I will probably pull this um, uh, live stream in a few minutes because uh, my throat is going. Daniel Nunes is, uh, from Phoenix has said, what kind of incentives do you use to keep or reignite enthusiasm with partners when things begin to, to dwindle? <coughs> Look. Without question, you get people to feel excited about what you do by leading by example. The moment you start kicking back and being the big boss man and, and posturing as like I own the place kind of thing, you start getting a bit of resentment. I always found the more I apply myself, uh, the more that inspires people a lot. But also do stuff that's going to map to them doing better in their job. You don't do the job for them, but you feather the nest and you give them the best possible environment to, to work. So that's, without question, before you go to incentives, you've got to ask yourself, what's the environment like? Because if they live in a crap, if they work in a crap environment and they don't enjoy that, then what you're trying to do is just put glitter on a turd. It's not really particularly interesting for them longer term. And incentives will serve to just pep them up for a little bit, and then it kind of, they're back to the usual boring stuff. So a change of environment can often be a good thing you caring enough to spend time with them. I remember I worked with a, <clears throat> a manager recently and, it was, and what, what was clear was that um, the guy was doing a great job of interfacing with his team members each week and doing development and helping them out and understanding where their issues were and so on. But when the stuff got really busy, that stuff fell away. It's like, no, sorry. In the same way as no matter how busy you are, you have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to breathe in and out you also should be doing this development one-on-one -on -one with people. It's mandatory. It's mandatory to invest time with people each day. And no matter how busy you are, you must do that. You must show up for them, uh, check in on them each morning and so on as well. It really matters because it means that, what you think about the message you're giving, which is you doing well and your well-being in the role and as part of my team supersedes the stress I have right now. Okay, to a degree, in the moment, sometimes like, could you just give me half hour? But what I mean is you don't, you don't just leave them alone because you're a bit busy. You have to suck it up. That's kind of the job as the, ma as the manager to put, make sure you put the people first fully. Still, you're asking what kind of incentives do you use? Look, a lot of the time, managers are like, oh, it's so, it's so funny about it. Man managers will say things like, it's a, it's a nightmare. We don't get any budget for incentives. Our company gets, doesn't give us any money at all. What about your own money? You know, it's a controversial idea of putting your hand in your own pocket. Well, I shouldn't have to do that. Um, so just do it anyway. What, what do you want here? Do you want to save a bit of money and have a upset team or spend a little bit and get more from them and probably do better in the longer run? Um, it's astonishing <coughs> how some managers won't even buy a round of drinks for their team. 
or take them out for lunch once a month or something like that. Yes, it costs you a bit of money, but you can afford it. And what happened, even, even then, you don't have to spend a fortune. You spend five quid on them. Buy stuff for them. Like, give them a gift or some, or, or some kind of incentive based on what they're after. I remember once, and this was a sales job, so obviously it was dependent on making money. But I remember one quarter that it, leading up to Christmas, I said to the team, you've each got £100. But that, will, that £100 will be spent on a gift. So you have to decide on something outrageous. What is it you want? And you're going to get a Christmas present based on you hitting this target. So if you hit a target, whenever you get target hit, you get your Christmas present early. You don't want your Christmas present on the last day, you want it early. And it was brilliant because they got to choose their incentive gift. It doesn't always work for you to say, the incentive now is if you work really hard, we'll give you a lunch or a day at the races or you know a theatre ticket or something. Because for some people, they're like, but I don't care about that. I just don't care. If it was going going to the horse races right now, I would be like, I just I can't, I don't care. Well, I'm not going to work harder so I can go horse racing. You see, so it needs to be something that you can choose, uh, that you choose, uh, that you know they will like, or that they get to choose themselves. Those incentives always work better. If you don't know, you should be, you should know, you should be getting into your team and understanding what they're after. But say to them, you know, uh, you know, what, what is it that would, what, here's a budget, what would the incentive be? And we've had, I've had, had incentives in the past where um, we were told, right, here's the budget and it's for a holiday, you know, for you and your team. So what are you going to spend it on? Uh, or rather, where will you go? And then you make the holiday around the team. And, you know, then they're more invested in the, in the incentive itself. And I think that's a far better way of doing it. So rather than just presume you can work out what incentive they're after, ask them and get them involved. And I, and I remember that, that Christmas one was fantastic. I, it was like early December and I remember one guy had, had already hit his target and he'd asked for like this radar control plane. So like we're in the sales office and he's flying this thing around the office and everyone's like, why can't I be on that team? And you know, this guy's having a great time. And it was, it was like an incentive, you know, it was an incentive gift he really was after. He really wanted it because it was fun. So, you know, for some, that's like a ridiculous gift. I'm not going to work harder for that. But for him, it really mattered. So I would say care a bit more and listen a bit more to what they're after. Another technique here, rather than incentivizing with kind of gifts, uh, Daniel, is to look at things like how you change the environment in, 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 in the sense of how people are managed and, and, and interface with each other. If you're always the manager doing all the training and having a team listening, then that can be a bit of a broken record situation after a while. So one, one technique is to say, do you know what? This guy, you know, Sharon in the team is really good at that one thing. Pull her aside. So Sharon, tomorrow for half an hour at 1130 uh, we're all going to grab a room. I'd like you to train on this thing, to train this thing. And like, you don't have to give money to meet people or give them incentives. You just empower them a bit more. They tend to really like that. And I've, I've done really well, I think, in the past by having people empowered. Like, like do you know, I'd like you to run this thing. Or could you, I'm going to give you a little special project to work on. Make their world interesting. Bring some variety. But also give the opportunity to run something or lead something or, or work a little bit higher up. It gets exciting for them as well. And that can bring a little bit more exciting juice back into, into the team. So um, that, that's a few suggestions off the top of my head, Daniel. Um, let's have a look over on LinkedIn. Uh, Wendy Gohilla, can you give an hour early off on Fridays? Is that good or bad? It's a good question. And uh, it's only good or bad based on if your team needs it or not. And I, I don't think it matters, really. The reason why I say it, if it's based on if a team needs it or not is that some people don't care about that. 
you know, if I was if I was told you can go home an hour early, I wouldn't be like skipping for joy. I'd be like, okay, whatever. And in fact, when I was given an hour off, or like the like, I remember sometimes. Uh, again, remember this is a sales background. It would be like if you hit target early this week, Richard, then or anyone on the team, you get to go home early. So basically, when you hit target, you can go home. And it's like I get commission. Why do I want to go home if I'm on a roll? The last place I want to be is away from my phone. I want to be on it, you know. So it's kind of a weird one, but there's nothing wrong with it. And I think giving a little bit like that is is a nice thing to do. Um, in fact, what we used to have just as a better vibe at a company, when I the first one I started at, we worked an extra half an hour on Mondays to Thursdays. And we were banking the half an hour of work so that on a Friday we would take those half hours off. So two hours came off. So essentially we worked nine till six every day so that on Friday we'd work nine till 3.30. Okay, so it meant hour and a bit for lunch, two hours in the office and we're done. So it was a really nice Friday vibe. Um, and of course, everyone had a couple of drinks and then we were in the pub early and things like that. It just was a really good way of doing it. Kind of got to think about your team. There's nothing wrong with it at all, though. Um, you can give that an hour off on Fridays. But often people think that's a massive incentive and most people don't care. An hour off on a Friday doesn't make much difference. Half a day makes a bit of difference. Don't come in on Monday till after lunch makes a bit of a difference, but like an hour often doesn't, unless the unless they're working like slaves. That's the thing. So you've got to think like, I suppose where I'm going with this, Emily, is is that you need to think about if the incentive is pointless. Like sometimes you'll give much. Like I've had ones where uh, it's like here's five pounds if you do an extra sale. Like why am I going to bother working hard for five pounds? You know, it's just like it's just not thinking. So be proportionate as well. If that if that if that uh, makes sense. Uh, but good questions on there. Wendy Gohiller, uh, good one there for you. Sorry, I thought it was Emily. It was when you asked that. Craig Bernie Burns, good comment on incentives and personal enthusiasm for motivation. Calling watching from Laguna Beach. Um, uh, and nice to see you watching all of you people. Suzette Ferreira, good morning. Good afternoon, rather, from Saudi Arabia. Marvellous to see you here from all over the world. Good. So um, those of you who are just tuning in now, put in the comments if you're hashtag team live or hashtag team replay and where you're watching from. Uh, also, let us know next week, what would you like the topic to be? We've done so many episodes. We've covered most things. So I'm interested always in what your appetite is. And I normally run a poll and then you guys to ask, get to uh, ask the questions as well. Let's do one more uh, before we finish. Uh, Ian Tisca, being a former headhunter, what do you look for in talent and how do they put their best foot forward with you? With talent, like, it's difficult. So when I was headhunting, but also when I was hiring, it's probably a good thing as well. With headhunting, I wanted big fees. So just to be clear, I wanted big fees. So I was looking for people with great experience at very important com companies. If someone's got 20 years experience at an amazing company, they tend to be worth a lot. So I would try and sell them and make more money off it. But it, I, let's be more about hiring. Um, look, loyalty and attitude matter more than anything. If you're going to have loyalty and attitude, then the rest mostly is teachable. You need a bit of common sense so they can problem solve. But other than that, it's like they don't need to know stuff. And, you know, it's, they don't need to know stuff. And it's surprising how many juniors smash it straight away. And so it might be worth, uh, so it's worth bearing in mind that, that a newbie doesn't overthink and they won't have bad habits. Again, if you look at sales, 
it's actually it's actually quite rare for an experienced salesperson to come into a job and get it straight away because often a few years experience selling a particular product means they may be not so good at selling something different and they 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 struggle often to step outside of what they've done and this isn't me hiring just on my own this is what i see a lot i work with a lot of companies with their with their sales teams and often the, the people who come in with sales experience actually are miss a little bit uh it's difficult for them to adjust because they have to change it because everyone sells things differently it's very interesting that one don't always look for experience look for attitude it really makes a big difference okay um what else could I add here? Yeah, yeah, just look at what things are teachable in your job. Um, I think loyalty is a difficult one to test, but it, something you should Google is how do you test loyal, loyalty? That it'd be interesting to, to get them to uh, try and express that if you were going to interview. Like, what can you give me some examples of you being loyal? But a good example of, of finding loyalty is again to hire from the pool of people who are in your network. And it's no surprise that those who are at arm's length part of my team, so freelancers, for example, are ones where there's something of a relationship, they've maybe bought my courses or they've been to my events and stuff like that. It's not like the ticket to entry is paying me money, but the point I'm making is that they, they've got some interest in what it is I do, and so they're bought into the story a bit more, and from that comes the loyalty. Um, and attitude's crucial. If they're positive about pushing themselves and they, they're looking up to you in an inspired way, that matters. And that's down to you as well. You have to make sure you're pushing yourself to be inspirational by at times being unflappable, but also being really good at what you do. The last thing you want to lose if you're a manager is respect from people because it's very hard to get it back. You know, um, I've seen sales managers who never close anything. And then you get the, these team members thinking like, yeah, but I can't, why would I bother listening to you when you can't close anything right now? It doesn't really inspire them that much. So you need to be really good at your job and that, that can help them along. But it really is as simple as that. Like loyalty and attitude matter a lot. Someone's enthusiasm for a job, unless you're looking for technical skills, you can teach the rest of it. So um, uh, that, that's, that's kind of, Oh, again, there's going to be a lot of ex exceptions here, but that one really stands out in my opinion. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Uh, I'm going to finish here. My voice is gone, so I need to finish. Well done to Bing Oliver. $50 goes to you. Two and a half weeks' time is Atlanta Entrepreneur Business Live. If you know anyone, uh, make sure you're connecting uh, them uh, or, or popping them in here in, in, a, in a tag to let them know that... Uh, that the Atlanta events on the 27th of Feb, uh, free events donating to charity, uh, but that'll be focusing on some really interesting topics around uh, getting great results from your business. And March 4th in London uh, with me, Entrepreneur Business Live. There, we're looking at improving your sales. So if you want, if you know anyone in London, uh, do tag them and let them know. You can follow Entrepreneur Business Live on LinkedIn. Thank you, everyone watching on Instagram. I will see you later. And we've got the the uh, replay on IGTV so shout out to those of you watching there thanks everyone who's listening to the podcast as well I appreciate that uh, goodbye those of you